0: I can't speak for you, but I am still basking in the glory of a 5-0 and Big 12 football bowl season. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It is great to be here with you, and we always appreciate you joining us. But boy, I'm still pinching myself. Now, if you're on the radio show, you may have missed the Sunday podcast uh, that we do, and I was just crowing, absolutely crowing, about how the Big 12 went 5-0 and in bowl season. It is absolutely awesome, and it's a great way to cap off the season. And it gets me excited, honestly, for, for next season. There's There's so much that's going to be going on for this conference, and I'll get to that here coming up in a couple of minutes. But just to give you the rundown of how each conference did, the Big Twelve went five and zero in the uh, bowl season after going one and five last year. Uh, only Oklahoma, or excuse me, only West Virginia even failed to cover the spread. Uh, the MAC went two and zero. Sunbelt went four and one. SEC went six and two. Still got the national championship next week. Big Ten went three and one. Mountain West 2-1, one, American 1-5, one a bowl season to forget for the American who wants to make it seem like they're one of the power conferences. They call it the power six instead of the power five. But that was always my problem with the American. Like Cincinnati, number seven in the country. I'm sorry, Cincinnati's not a top 10 team if they play in the Big 12. All right, they're, they're not. They would not get to the juggernaut of a Big 12 conference undefeated. They would not do it. So Cincinnati fans are always complaining. At least they were for the last month of the season. We get no respect, group of five. The group of five is good. It's good. But it's not the Big 12. It's not the Big 10. It's not the SEC. And the only team that won was Memphis, which beat FAU in the Montgomery Bowl. All right, and this was a chance. Cincinnati lost to Georgia. Tulsa lost to Mississippi State, who was like 3-7 and in the SEC. Uh, Had that terrible brawl after the game. Houston was the heaviest favorite to lose a bowl game. And you had uh, UCF get smoked by uh, BYU. Pac-12 goes 0-2. Pac-12 is terrible. ACC went 0-6. 0-6. Okay, Clemson was the only team favored to win its game, so maybe not much was expected, but this is bad by any measure. Tigers and Notre Dame were each blown out in the college football playoff semifinals, but the ACC definitely deserves to have two teams, right, in the college football playoff. What a joke. North Carolina was in that game with Texas AM until the end of the Orange Bowl. Miami lost to Oklahoma State, uh, and then Conference USA went 0-6. They were underdogs in every game, but they certainly did live down <laughs> to those expectations. But if you're going to look at the hierarchy in the Power Five right now, I mean, you got to say there's a very big gap between the Big 12, the SEC, the Big 10, and then the ACC and uh, the Uh, Pac-12. There is. Yes, Clemson is great. I don't think Notre Dame is all that good. Or Let's put it this way. They're probably a top 15 team. They are not a top five team. I believe Oklahoma would have taken Notre Dame to the woodshed if those two teams had matched up in a game last week. Notre Dame gets by on its brand. Notre Dame gets by on uh, the fact that they beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, and for some reason that's a big deal, and we're supposed to jump for joy and be like, whoa, Notre Dame, look at how impressive. Oh, the Irish. Oh, the mighty fighting Irish. Stop. Notre Dame has been an overrated program for decades, but they got the Golden Domes and the TV networks like them, and that's what that comes down to. And they'll go back to being independent, right? Right. They're not going to be playing in the ACC title game anytime soon again. They'll go back to being independent. We'll overrate them, and that'll be life. Danny Connell, who used to be what? Danny Connell used to be ESPN, right? I think he's doing some stuff for SiriusXM right now. But Danny Connell put it very well when he said the conference champion of the best conference in college football throughout bowl season was left out of the playoffs. College football is broken. Absolutely right. He is absolutely right. And who is he talking about? The Big 12. Big 12 has the best bowl season and has no shot at winning a national championship. No shot whatsoever. Now, you can sit there and say, well, Oklahoma shouldn't have lost to Kansas State. Okay, that's fine. But still, this conference just smoked its opponents in bowl games, and it has no chance of reaching the college football playoff because, well, we can't possibly put a team with two losses into the playoff. We just can't do it. Uh, that mindset, you know, the original points of the college football playoff, remember this early on, it was like, we're going to really value who you play and strength of schedule. And we want to encourage really good non-conference games. If I'm a power five coach and a AD to power five program, why would I, why would I do that? Like if I'm Texas, right? Not that Texas is a national title team. All right. So let's use Oklahoma, whatever. If you're Oklahoma Why would you schedule a major Power Five program? Like, why would you do that? I mean, a major one. Like, they played Ohio State in those back-to-back years. Why would you go down that road? Like, yeah, it's really nice to win the game, but it doesn't really prove anything. The committee apparently will never put a two-loss team in there. So if you risk losing a non-conference game, And then, you know, you drop a conference game. Why? Why would you put that tough non-conference game on your schedule when the committee is averse to to any type of two-loss team ever being in the college football playoff? Because you're never going to get a team that's hotter and was playing better than this Oklahoma team was at the end of the season. In the second half of the season, according to the advanced metrics, Oklahoma was playing the best defense in the country. Best in the country. So you're gonna sit here and tell me that, uh boy, you know, they really they, they they just can't play in a college football playoff because of the two in the loss column. So like Oklahoma plays Georgia in 2023. That game's gonna be in Norman. And then in 2024, they go to Tennessee. Let's see, 2025, uh Michigan, they got Nebraska the next two years in 21 and 22. Not that Nebraska's any good, but why bother? Like, why bother? That's that's my question. For the College Football Playoff Committee, who has or did insist early on that they wanted to increase power five conferences playing tough games in the non conference. They wanted to enhance the regular season. The way they have gone about their selections do not lead me to believe that they actually have any intention in following through on that. They rewarded Ohio State, and yes, I get it. Ohio State's playing for a national championship, but they rewarded Ohio State for playing six games. The data points do not matter. Baylor and TCU fans should be livid when they were told no 13th data points by Jeff Long back in 2014. No 13th data points. Well, now you can have six data points and be absolutely fine because, well, you're Ohio State. It's just wrong at every level. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. your Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We are putting a bow on what has been a really uh, exciting finish to the season for this conference. Has been so much fun to follow it. By the way, this show is not going anywhere. Whether you're on radio or podcast, this show is not going anywhere. We are still weekly. We will have the podcast for you. And um, we're going to keep rocking and rolling here. So don't you worry about that, all right? Coming up next, let's talk some Big 12 basketball with our guy Matthew Postons. He is coming up on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, how about our friends at mybookie.com? You know, they've got a great promo running now where when you use our promo code, Big 12, that's Big 1-2, you get a 100% sign-up bonus right out of the gate. So you got a full slate of uh, NFL playoffs this weekend. We've got, of course, college basketball underway. The Big 12 is underway So even though college football is over, uh, there's still a ton to get in on. And at MyBookie.com, you use our promo code BIG12, BIG12, and you get that 100% sign-up bonus right out of the gates. There's no unlocking it. There's no, like, make five bets to get your uh, free play money. No, you just get it with our promo code BIG12, BIG12. Six NFL games this weekend. You don't want to miss it. On top of that, you've got a great deal running, of course, uh, with college basketball. So, we're hot and heavy right through March Madness on Heartland College Sports Weekly. MyBookie.com promo code Big 12. That's Big 1-2. Well, the Big 12 basketball season is, of course, in full swing. And our Big 12 basketball insider, the best Big 12 basketball insider, is Matthew Postons. And he joins us. On Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, Matthew, since we spoke last week, Texas went on the road and they got that win in Lawrence that has uh, really eluded them for quite some time, and it wasn't just any win. It was a dominant win. How surprised and impressed were you by that game last week? I I was surprised
1: by the dominance um you know they've been competitive at Allen Fieldhouse before uh they've been competitive there several times uh but they've never won there in the Big 12 I had to go through the media guide twice just to be sure that I wasn't reading that improperly uh in the Big 12 era Texas had never won uh at Allen Fieldhouse uh, you know they've been close a few times they've had competitive games but to go in there with a full Kansas starting lineup you know both rosters were you know good to go everybody was healthy and to go in there and just completely light Kansas up—I've never seen anything like that. It was—it was obviously the worst loss of the Bill Self era, but it was also tied with the worst loss in Allen Fieldhouse history. Um, so it was—it was a seismic game, uh, to say the least, in the Big 12 and really nationally. When you see, you know, Texas moved up four spots in both polls, uh, Kansas dropped five or six spots in both polls. Uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas moved down to a three line and bracketology Texas moved up to a one line. It, it was a pretty seismic shift. And I think it showed that, you know, Texas is going to be a player in determining who wins this conference this year.
0: Did this game, Matthew, tell you more about how good Texas can be, or maybe there are more holes at KU and with that roster and with that team than uh, a lot of us might've thought before the season.
1: Well, this week on the site, I wrote about uh, the balance that Texas has achieved offensively this year. You know, Last year, they were a very perimeter-driven team, and they still are, but they've closed the gap between the amount of points that their backcourt and their frontcourt score from last year to this year. So last year, it was about a 30-point gap. Now, it's about a 12- or 13-point gap, and that's because their frontcourt players have developed. Kai Jones is a great sixth man off the bench who has the ability to dribble away from the basket at 6'11 and bring defenses away. Obviously, inserting Greg Brown into their starting lineup has given them a, a, a swing forward that they really haven't had before. So they're a much more balanced offensive team now. I, I learned a little bit more about Kansas on Saturday, last Saturday, in that you know I, I think this team in the NCAA tournament will live or die by how well David McCormick plays. Because they have everything else they need uh, mm-hmm. in terms of offense. But what they need from McCormick as a junior is they need him to block shots. They need him to rebound. They need him to defend better at the rim. And he he didn't play much against Texas. Uh, he, he seemed a little overmatched. Now, when they played TCU a couple of days later, he had a huge game that night. If that David McCormick shows up every night, then Kansas is going to be a player not just in the Big 12 but on the national stage in terms of maybe making it to the Final Four. But to me, he's their X factor because they have everything else they need from an offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint. But they need somebody inside that can at least give them you know, some semblance of what Adoka beque gave them last year. And McCormick is really their only option.
0: Matthew Postens, our Big 12 basketball insider is on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So, Matthew, speaking of pieces that you've uh, written on the site, you had a really interesting piece that dropped on a Wednesday of this week about Brady Manick, the Sooners, and, and how maybe they're a surprise team we're not keeping a close enough eye on in the Big 12. Uh, who who is that? I mean, we know the big two or three. We know Baylor, Texas, Kansas. You want to throw in West Virginia. Uh, who's who's more likely to be that surprise team? Is it uh, TCU? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Oklahoma State? Yeah,
1: it 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 kind of oscillates. I mean, Oklahoma's always well coached. It doesn't matter how well or how poorly Long Kruger recruits; they're always well coached, and they're always kind of on that tier of. We're we're really good, but we're not quite up where we were when we had Buddy Heald a few years ago. When we got to the Final Four, but you know you saw them hold off Texas Tech and win that game in December. Uh, they beat West Virginia at home last weekend. They have the pieces, and and the gist of the piece that I wrote was really you know just seeing Brady Mannix struggle from the floor for the last two conference games. He was shooting four for sixteen in those games against Oklahoma and West or against Texas tech and West Virginia. But the thing is other players stepped up, Boston Reeves and, and Debbie on Harvin players you would expect, but also Emoja uh, Gibson, who was the big 12 player of the week this week for his 29 point performance against West Virginia. So to me, I kind of feel like they're the team that's going to be the most consistent among those three teams you just mentioned. They're the ones there's They're the team that's going to be the most consistent, you know, from week to week in terms of being competitive, maybe winning a couple of games they shouldn't win, and maybe ending up as that that fifth-place team in the conference. I like TCU, and I like Oklahoma State. Uh, The thing about Oklahoma State right now is that they've they've played four conference games. Uh, In their first four conference games, they've lost three of them, and they've lost them by small margins. They blew that big lead to West Virginia. They're a young team, and they still have some growing up to do. Oklahoma is a much more mature team. They've got a lot of seniors, a lot of juniors, a lot of guys who have been there before. Uh, that's what's going to keep them in the hunt to be maybe that fifth-place team in the conference.
0: Matthew, as you look at a team that, uh, that you know, is just a couple of years removed from a national championship game, that's uh, Texas Tech. Uh, they have losses to Kansas and then the Oklahoma State loss in overtime that you mentioned. They beat in Oklahoma. They beat K-State this week. Uh, I mean, th- I go back and forth. How do you feel about what the ceiling is for this Texas Tech team? I, I
1: still feel like they're – I feel like they're a top 25 team, and that's how they're ranked right now. I think one thing I see Chris Beer doing is he's trying to he's trying to figure out how the chemistry works between the starting lineup and the bench. You know, in December when Kyler uh, Edwards didn't score a point against Kansas, he moved Edwards to the bench and he he kind of flipped um, uh, Burton into the starting lineup. Now when they played Kansas State, he flipped that back. He put Edwards back in the starting lineup and put Burton back in the bench. He also flipped Terrence Shannon Jr. to the bench and moved Micah Peavy back into the starting lineup. And that move really agreed with Terrence Shannon against uh, Kansas State. He had 22 points that night. I think he's still trying to figure out who those seven, eight, nine guys are that are going to be the ones he's going to want to lean on every night and how to, how to work that chemistry in terms of the starting five and those three or four guys that will come off the bench. But I'll say this. Just looking at them this year at this time and looking at that team last year at that time where he he also had to do a lot of, you know, quote unquote chemistry experiments. I feel like the team this year is much further ahead of last year's team because they have more talent on the perimeter. They've got a better inside presence with Marcus Santos Silva. And there just seems to be a, a real stubbornness
0: to this team in terms of them not being out of any game they play. Mm Mm-hmm. Matthew, uh, Baylor, we haven't even talked about the number two team in the country yet, and they've had a lot of of games postponed or or canceled due to COVID-related issues, so they've only got two conference games under their belt, I believe it is, Uh, K-State, a big win, and then Iowa State last week, and the Cyclones, they hung with them there, Matthew, for a team that's, you know, in a rebuild, Uh, they hung in there with the number two team in the country, was that more about Iowa State or is is Baylor a team that could get picked off more than we think the next couple of months?
1: Well, I, I think that's probably more about Iowa State than Baylor. And and let's be let's understand. Right after that Baylor game, Iowa State went to Texas and 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 pushed the Longhorns uh, yeah. to the final couple of minutes of that game. So they're a really uh, they're a really uh, feisty uh, team, even though they're trying to work through some issues. But. You know, with Baylor, they're at that point of the season now where everybody knows they're one of the best teams in the country. You've got a player of the year candidate in Jared Butler. Uh, They've worked out their chemistry issues. They know who their seven or eight, nine guys are that are going to, you know, play time for them. And now they have, they're the team with the bullseye. They're going to get everybody's best game every single night. And that's what you saw from Iowa State. It was a road game. It was after Baylor played two games in 24 hours because they scheduled a couple of Happy Meal games in that midweek before that game against Iowa state. So now they're back into the rhythm of conference play. And I, I, they're not going to go through conference play and defeat it. The conference is too good. They're going to have a couple of games where they lose, but um, they're always going to be among those top teams in the country because there's no team to me that has a better quintet of guards in the country than this team. You know, Texas has a pretty good trio, Kansas has a pretty good trio. Gonzaga's got a really good perimeter game, but when you think about the depth that they have at guard, that's what's going to carry them. They have five guys who are capable of scoring 10 or 12 points a night, shooting well from the three, playing good defense. There's no other team in, in the country that I think can compete with that level of play at the guard position. So that's going to make them a very tough out every single night they play.
0: Matthew, I'm just thinking about this conference right now, top to bottom, and I think about the fact that you know Oklahoma State probably has what a top five, maybe a top three draft pick, in Cade Cunningham, a ton of young talent, and they may not even come close to finishing in the top half of the conference. So, I mean, what does that tell you about how how stacked uh, and, and deep this conference is this year? Well,
1: you know, I've seen, I've been watching bracketology the last couple of weeks, and it, it kind of. Toggles between five Big 12 teams and seven Big 12 teams, making a 68 team field. That's kind of where it was last year, but I think the depth in this conference is definitely better than it was a year ago. I mean, Cade Cunningham joining Oklahoma State definitely pushed them a step up. Uh, TCU, I think, has taken a step forward, not just with the development of RJ and Hard, but also the inclusion of Mike Miles, their talented freshman in their starting lineup. Uh, Iowa State. And Kansas State are teams that are obviously rebuilding because they lost a lot of transfers after last season. But we've just seen in just the first few games of conference play, they're they're if they come to play, they're going to give you a game. Iowa State did it against uh, uh, the two teams you mentioned earlier, Baylor and Texas. Kansas State gave um, uh, gave a team a run before the break. Uh, it's, this is the way this conference is. And that's why it's one of the best conferences in the country. The only conference that I think is comparable to it right now is the big 10. I don't think the ACC is as deep. I don't think the SEC is as deep. Uh, the big 10 and the big 12 to me are the two conferences that are probably going to produce the most NCAA tournament teams and probably produce the most final four teams this year.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good point. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Every week we talk to him. It's always one of the best parts of basketball season, that is getting the weekly insights of Matthew Poston's here on the show. Matthew, always great to talk to you. We will do it again uh, next week here on the show. Thanks for being here. Okay,
1: thanks, Pete.
0: Always great to get the insights of Matthew Poston's on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. He's the man. This guy knows the Big 12 better than anybody. All right. Uh, take my word for it. He does. Coming up, I got to get into and lay into a college football coach in another conference. We'll do it coming up next. And before we continue that conversation, please don't forget, guys, to leave a rating and a review on this show. And uh, just doing that is a way to get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Leave me a rating and a review on the podcast and then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It's a really great way to help this podcast grow, help the show grow, and that's why we're giving you a koozie in return. So please do that and also hop on our message boards. It's a free Big 12 community. We want to get you in the conversation at heartlandcollegesports.com. So we've taken a lot of swipes at uh, Dan Mullen, the Florida head coach, the last week, and they're all well-deserved. That guy is such a tool, such a tool, the head coach of the Florida Gators. That guy had every excuse in the book. I mean, he was making excuses left and right, left and right. He was making excuses after that Cotton Bowl blowout. But man, how does Pro Football Focus make him their coach of the year? Pete Mundo here Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Always great to have you on board and appreciate you joining us here. So, listen, I I get the SEC bias is real. That's part of the reason that we started this website. I started this website a few years back. It's one of the reasons that um, I I just said we got to do something here for the Big 12. The Big 12 gets no respect. Where's Rodney Dangerfield when I need him? Uh, But – Giving the coach of the year award to Dan Mullen from Pro Football Focus, which I get it. It's not the, you know, AP coach of the year award. But first off, how do you overlook Matt Campbell? I mean, seriously, how do you overlook Matt Campbell at Iowa State? And secondly, I mean, the way Dan Mullen acted after that Cotton Bowl game should be disqualifying. The excuses that he had all lined up, all lined up is just absolutely horrible horrible, 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 but he made him, but he had him, And it was just one of the more embarrassing things that I've seen. Uh, My goodness gracious. So there you have it. Uh, Dan Mullen somehow getting that award also for the Oklahoma state Cowboys. Not sure if you saw this, but Josh Sills coming back on the offensive line next year. That's a big deal. Uh, That offensive line was just decimated. Absolutely decimated this past year. Sills played all over the line. And I'll tell you what, this is a guy who uh, is a solid veteran. He is using that free year of eligibility to come back. He's a transfer from West Virginia. Last year was his first year with the Cowboys. And now he's going to have a shot to have another year under his belt. Maybe he can play in the NFL. Uh, Not totally sure what that's going to look like for him. But he's got uh, got some chances to at least improve his game. But he's already a very solid player. Already a very solid player. And I do want to get into Oklahoma State because if you're looking at just this past season, like Oklahoma State, even though it had a good finish, it wins the cheez at Bowl, like you probably would say based on expectations, Oklahoma State may have been and had the most disappointing season in the Big 12, right? You could maybe say Texas, but I would say based on what the expectations were, And the fact that Oklahoma State was, at one point, the sixth-ranked team in America, I would say they had arguably the most disappointing season in the Big 12 Conference. It was a terrible—no one's happier that 2020 is over than uh, Mike Gundy. From the offseason nonsense, crazy drama uh, with T-shirts and everything else, to a season that did not go like he hoped it would have gone and like the expectations were in Stillwater where at least compete and play in the Big 12 championship game and they frankly weren't even really close to playing in it uh, because it was going to be down the stretch of the season. It was going to be Iowa State or Texas. Boy, I'm just, I'm stunned. Uh, I'm stunned. I had this team playing for a Big 12 championship game. They obviously didn't come all that close to doing it. Uh, but our guy Dave Beal, I thought he wrote a very good piece on Mike Gundy's 2021 New Year's resolutions and what they need to be. And here's what he wrote. He said the Cowboys have to retain Jim Knowles, no doubt about it. The, guy that, that the job that this guy did on defense for Oklahoma State was so impressive, so impressive. I mean, if this was not this defense on this team, like if this was the defense from five years ago, Oklahoma State would have been lucky to go 500 because the offense actually was what held them back this year. The offense was not uh, up to snuff by Oklahoma State standards. It just wasn't. you got to get Jim Knowles back. There were reports this week that he interviewed for the D.C. job at Illinois, and that's certainly not somebody that you want to lose. Coaches aggressively, relies on pressure up front, tight man coverage, feast or famine. They uh, were great. They led the NCAA in third down percentage this year. Uh, so it was very, very impressive for that side of the ball. They can't lose this guy because he's the real deal. He's got to figure it figured out. He's got it going in Stillwater. Don't want to lose him. Number two, spending more time with players. Uh, that was obviously a criticism of Gundy before the season. Unleashing Casey Dunn. He's the offensive coordinator. So basically the case that Dave, Miel, Dave Beal is making for us is that uh, Gundy's conservative fingerprints were all over the offense this year. I think that's true, but I, I also believe that they may not have the talent at quarterback, at least in terms of throwing the ball, that they've had in recent years. Mason Rudolph, going back to Brandon Whedon, um, yeah, that's, that's just the guys that they've had. And I don't know if Spencer Sanders can be that guy in terms of his ability to get the ball down the field. I, I genuinely don't know if he can be that guy. And last but not least, Gundy should just be absent, right? Be absent from the newspaper headlines, absent from ESPN segments, absent from local sports talk radio. Uh, He's a great promoter. He's quirky. He's charming. He's funny. He's interesting. But maybe just using this offseason to be not be quiet, actually, but just kind of hang low and uh, keep the focus on football and look to 2020. That would seem to me to make the most amount of sense uh, for Mike Gundy as we gear up for what's going to be a very interesting offseason. Not going anywhere, nothing's changing, but it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason. And and we're going to talk about all of it. This show is not going anywhere. We are going to continue to do this every single week on the radio and on the podcast. So wherever you get it, we're going to keep coming with you here. Offseason football storylines. Heck, I think we probably are like eight weeks away from spring ball or spring camp starting for some of these teams, right? Early March. I can't believe it, but that's going to be right around the corner. So uh, these, these weeks fly by, we'll do a lot of basketball with our guy, Matthew Poston. So don't you worry, we're going to have you covered on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's great to be here with you on another great, another busy week. Don't want to use great back-to-back, all right? But another busy week. You guys enjoy it, and don't forget about our friends at mybookie.com. The promo code BIG12, 12, BIG12, 12, gets you 100% sign-up bonus free play money right out of the gates. And leave that rating and review before you close out, please. It helps us so much. And send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get you that free Heartland College Sports koozie. Have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you next week.